it's very universal, this taboo image of money. In Iran, it was the same. So growing up, we had at school this essay topic that everybody had to write, I think at fourth grade, which one is more important, wealth or science? Oh. And literally, if you if you responded wealth, you would be the bad person, as if they're like not connected. So we had to write an essay. If you're the good student, you would choose science as your answer, and then you would write a whole essay as to why science is more important than wealth. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the What Is Money show. I am thrilled to have you here joining me on my mission to help shine light on the corruption of money. Now, if this is your first time listening to the What Is Money show, I strongly recommend that you go back to episodes one through nine first, which lays a lot of the groundwork for many of the concepts that we explore on the show. These first nine episodes are my series with Michael Saylor and thousands of people have told me that this is the best podcast series they've ever heard hands down, and that it was instrumental to their understanding of money and Bitcoin. So if you're looking to start a deep dive into the nature of money, I don't think there's any place better that you can start other than episode one of this show. Now, a little bit about this show and how it makes money. The What Is Money show is 100% sponsor based. So all of our revenues are derived from direct sponsorships. And I strive to be very selective about the sponsors that I work with, specifically only using sponsors that I use personally, and also choosing sponsors that have values which are well aligned to the values expressed on this show, such as freedom, education, self-sovereignty, etc. So what I'm going to do now is a few ad reads right at the top of the show, and then I'll do a few more ad reads in the middle. And I hope you'll take the time to listen to them. As again, these are hand-selected sponsors, and I think you'll like what they have to offer. Today's podcast is brought to you by In Wolf's Clothing. Wolf is the first startup accelerator dedicated exclusively to the Bitcoin Lightning Network. Four times per year, Wolf brings teams from around the world to New York City to work with like-minded entrepreneurs, pushing the boundaries of what's possible with Bitcoin and Lightning. The program is designed to help early-stage companies achieve product market fit, develop their brand, secure early-stage funding, and grow businesses that help fuel the global adoption of Bitcoin. So go to wolfnyc.com to learn more about the program or apply. Again, that's WolfNYC, W-O-L-F-N-Y-C.com. Kiana Danielle, welcome to the What Is Money show. Thank you for having me. Excited to be here. Very nice to have you. Uh, excited for the topics we're going to be talking about today. I think it's going to be uh, deep and philosophical. Just by way of quick introduction, you are the founder of Invest Diva. You're also the author of seven books on finance, investing, entrepreneurship, and money. Um, as we were just talking offline, you have some very, very interesting takes on the nature of money itself. So maybe I could just start there. Um, it's been said that money is energy, but you had a, a kind of an interesting Einsteinian perspective on that. So if I may ask you the question to start, what is money? Money is energy. And then Einstein proved that energy equals mass times the speed of light squared, which means that energy 
also money is a function of speed of light to the power of two. That's huge. If you just think about how massive the speed is. And what that tells me is money is a function of speed. Therefore, the speed at which you do the things that creates more value in your wealth and your money increases the value of money. Money loves speed. Do it now. <laughs> Basically, <laughs> that's what it tells me. If you have an idea, do it now if you want more money in your life. That's that's great. Um, and it you distinguish between feminine versus masculine energy. Uh, so why, wh let's start there. What is the difference between feminine and masculine energy? So this is interesting because I've been st starting, I started learning about the differences between this literally just because I wanted to fix my relationship with my husband. So a quick backstory is that last year I thought I was out. I was about to file for divorce. And um, I had actually had this thought for years. Like I literally wanted to make more money so that I had the means to get a divorce. And then I didn't want to just call it quits before educating myself and see what I had to do with this bad marriage. So I started studying about relationships, about feminine masculine energy. And I learned a lot on the means of that about all of these things. And the good news here is that after I learned about this, after I was able to tap more into my feminine energy, I realized that I was operating more on the masculine level. Not that there is anything wrong with it. Everybody has both masculine and feminine energy. And I was bringing, interestingly enough, more of my mask feminine energy to my business, Investiva. Mm -hmm. But at my marriage, I was butting heads because I was trying to prove myself and with all the lack of worthiness and all the things. So I was tapping to my masculine and that was really ruining our marriage. So my understanding so far, and there is a lot more to learn about this, is that masculine energy is more hierarchical. So you start at a point and you always want to get to the goal. And the goal is typically freedom, mm -hmm. right? And you start here. There are different variations of this value ladder, if you will, is like men typically start as a page, they go become a knight, and then they become a prince, and then they go through a tunnel. And that is where transformation happens, and they become kings. Not everybody becomes kings, not everybody goes through a tunnel, not everybody becomes prince. But that is typically a hierarchical journey for men, whereas women, we can be everything at all at once. There's like seven types of different archetypes of femininity. And we have access to all of them. We're not uh, not everybody is, again, practicing them all at the same time. But when you look into feminine energy, is more about communication, is more about connecting with one another, is more about patterns, is more about flow, is not an end goal. If you think about this, like, is more about the journey, whereas the man, the masculine energy wants to get there. And again, women tap into their masculine energy all the time. If I was just operating from feminine energy, I would never get anything done. It would just be all the way, but there is always a balance. So feminine is about the journey. Masculine is about the end goal. Interesting. So then feminine energy is more creative in nature? That's my understanding that the creation, the connection, right? Mm -hmm. The communication is more of the feminine side. The abundance is more of the feminine side. Whereas the masculine side is more of, this is the beginning, this is the end. Hmm. I'm reminded here too, there's a lot of you know, disagreements between men and women. 
And one of the ways I heard it put is that men are always operating in solution space. Mm-hmm. So like, you know, stereotypical example, the woman will come home and describe a problem or something she had that day. And the man's answer will be like, oh, we'll just do ABC and it's fixed. But the woman's not actually looking for a solution per se. She's she's wanting to have that connection, that expression, whatever it may be. So if money is energy, is it feminine or is it masculine or is it both somewhere in between? How do you conceive of that? Yes. So to your point, that is the V word, right? Women want to vent. And if you get, if you allow your woman to vent, you might get to the other V. But uh... <laughs> never heard that one. <laughs> yes. So, um, and so this is very interesting. I, I'm really appreciative of you of allowing me to think out loud, literally vent. And uh, we literally trademarked finances feminine like two months ago. And talking to you, we kind of were realizing that it actually might be both. And I realized that my system, my financial system is actually literally both feminine and masculine. We can go through this. But so how do you create more value in the marketplace, right? So we said money is energy, right? And then so and well, you first you want to do it at a speed so that you have more money. But again, what else creates this value in money? We talked about it is not really the mass. It is not really the hard work. It is more correlated and it is not really related to the material, right? Because when we ask majority of people, um, okay, which one is more valuable, this $100 bill or a penny? So in the marketplace, the obvious answer would be the $100 bill. Whereas in the materialistic place, a penny actually has more materialistic value than this piece of paper. So the reason why this $100 bill has more value is because, again, socially, we have communicated with each other. We have agreed upon, which I think, again, is the feminine energy side of this, that this is more value. Okay. So from here, now we talk about the hierarchy of creating value. So there are four levels of value one of my coaches talks about is that in the marketplace, the lowest level of value are the most hardworking people. There are the people who are putting mass muscle energy over a limited time frame. So exchanging muscles for time. Mm-hmm. Both are limited in capacity. And therefore, the the hardest working people in the society, um, the painters, the people, not 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 painters, painters, maybe maybe people, the staff at the hotel, right, Uh, drivers, all the people who are exchanging time for money are the lowest level of value, if you will, are making the least amount of money. Yeah. Okay. Not that they don't have value, but they're making the least amount of money. Mm -hmm. The second level of value are the people who are managing those people. Mm-hmm. Like say the first value is somebody who works at the McDonald's, the manager of the McDonald's makes more money, but again, is exchanging time or something material. But then once you break free from exchanging time for money, mm-hmm. from putting your muscle energy over money, and you start the communication level, 
salespeople, authors, Apple's founder, Steve Jobs, Jobs, right? Disney. These are the people who not only communicated, but also had the fourth element of value, which is imagination. Mm. We actually talk about money being imaginary. Um, That is the feminine side of it. And again, I can prove that to you if you want to get there. Yeah, please. So a share of Apple stock, what is it saying? It's first of all communicating that I'm valuable. Why? Because people think. (laughs) Uh People think I'm valuable. The thinking literally creates value. And in reality, market participants are actually just imagining that the Apple stock is going to be more valuable in the future because in reality, nobody really knows mm-hmm. where it's going to go. So thinking and then communicating that thinking, those are the things that are actually creating the value in the marketplace or in anything that you have. Right. The original Mona Lisa is 10 billion times more valuable than the one that you would print out on your printer. Why? Because people are just imagining. (laughs) That's social consensus. Social consensus. That is the thinking. That's the imagination portion of money. I feel like we're literally all over the place. So (laughs) where do you think? (laughs) I'm literally tapping to my feminine energy being all over the place. So how about you? Tap into your masculine and bring it uh, all together. (laughs) I, um, I think this is a very... This is why the question, what is money, is so interesting because it always seems to be between two poles. And so in one sense, yes, money is very a very necessary component to the act of creation, right? It, it allows us to cooperate at scale and create things we otherwise would not be able to. You know, hence Apple, right? iPhone, all these miraculous technologies that the market has given rise to. But it's also, money is also, in addition to being creative, is hierarchical, right? Whoever, how much, what is your net worth, right? That's, there's a hierarchy there. Um, I don't know who the richest guy in the world is right now, Bezos or Elon. Uh, someone, someone in the Middle East probably that we don't even know about. Right. <laughs> That's a real yes, <laughs> richest exactly. person. So there is a hierarchy, right? There, it, Money does give rise to this hierarchical arrangement of people based on how much their net worth is. And so again, here, the question, what is money? is like, it's kind of between, I guess, the feminine creative principle and the masculine hierarchical principle. And that's, um, this seems to be something we come back to a lot. It's like, it's the betweenness. Money somehow is like a, a structural metaphor for betweenness. And a lot of things arise between, right? Like as we were describing with social consensus, it's not that anyone said that the Apple stock is worth however many thousands, thousands of dollars, is that the entire market coalesced on that that stock price. And it's um, and it gets even more interesting because it's that communication is being facilitated through money, actually. That message, well, what is it? It's a price, right? It's a number. And I, I think it's interesting, too, how you're saying thinking then is what creates value, or I guess we could say imagining or thinking. Um, I would take it all the way down to acting, ultimately, like the actual action of buying or selling something is you're, you expressing that position you've established through thinking or imagining. 
in the market, right? If I think Apple's going to go down, well, then I act by selling it. If I think it's going to go up, I act by buying it. And so there's this interesting, it's a very powerful communication tool, but it's at the same time a very powerful tool for establishing human hierarchies. Yes. And that, thank you so much for actually putting this together. And that is when we, I think, kind of came down to, okay, so money has this hierarchy and the more, and the hierarchy is a masculine. Mm -hmm. And then the more feminine energy, the imagination, the communication we put into it, it actually increases the value of the hierarchy. So really it is the masculine and feminine coming together. So I was wrong by thinking that money is just feminine because there is feminine aspects to it. It flows, it has patterns. The stock market has patterns. Why? Because of the market psychology. It actually has rarely anything to do with math. But I think I thought women finance is feminine because I was trying to kind of pushing away from this very masculine feel of finance. Like it has been super masculine for no reason. It was just about Oh, it's all about math, even though it really wasn't. Like people in Wall Street really actually weep. Oh no, I'm not. I'm, I'm a math PhD. I don't use any math on it. We come up with our strategies at a strip club late at night. Like literally, that's when they come. That's the reality of Wall Street. Like Wolf of Wall Street is actual reality, but they put it, pretend that it is just masculine where it's not. So I think I was trying to kind of push away from that. No, finance feminine. And now we kind of came together and was like, no, it's actually both. There is a hierarchy there, but you actually do have to tap into her feminine energy and then bring it all together so that it can increase, so they can get to that abundance. Yeah, that's a good example too, because Wall Street, we could generalize, I guess, a bit more investment, banking, um, high finance, whatever we want to call this. That actually is a zero-sum game, right? It's where you're not creating goods or services. You're not increasing productivity for the human race. You're actually just taking profits on moving paper claims around, whether these are stocks or money itself. And so maybe that's why it's been so masculinized, because Wall Street plays a zero-sum game, which would be, I guess, more masculine. But economics, the actual economy upholding or feeding Wall Street is more feminine because it's creative, right? It's it's actually increasing productivity and goods and services and all these things. Does that land with you? That's interesting. I didn't think of it of the productivity side. So when I feel like finance is feminine is when I'm looking at the chart, hmm. at the charts of the stock market. And it literally, every chart has their own pattern. And we've been really good. I call it chart art, whereas a Wall Street bro will call it technical analysis. (laughs) But it's just an art. (laughs) It actually is an art. It's just looking at the market psychology and see the flows and then identifying the patterns. Right? And the patterns typically are cyclic, again, just like the feminine energy, which can be everywhere all at once and then cycle between this and that, right? Yeah. So that aspect of that for me was more feminine. And then identifying those patterns is tapping into the feminine energy. And I don't think even the stock market is a zero-sum game. Just within the stock market, you can short the market. You can sell and make money, and I can buy and sell money 
make money at on the same exact stock. Mm-hmm. It actually is not a zero sum, but thinking that it's a zero sum game has made it more masculine mm. because there is more and more value to be created based on the productivity of the companies. So if I'm buying an Apple stock, I'm betting on, I'm imagining that Apple is going to continue to be productive and create more value and communicate more value and make more joy and all the things that is created for us and I'm putting more energy into it. I'm supporting it by investing in it. Every time you invest in a stock, you're actually supporting the company. And this, by the way, comes, it has nothing to do with the feminine or masculine. One of our values at Investiva is every time that we invest, we actually talk about and think about, does this company go against or for my moral values? That so there are companies that I would never invest in because, not again, they can't, it's like how deep would you go? Every company has bad or good, but there are some some companies or some things that I'm fundamentally just don't agree with what they produce, mm. right? So I wouldn't in- invest in them. And then there are companies that I just love and they're doing really bad. But I'm like, these people are making so much joy, so much amazing things. So I want to invest in them to support them. You see what I'm saying? So no. productivity side of it, I, I, I don't see it that way. I feel like when I invest, I'm actually support. I'm adding to the productivity because then they can go and reinvest that money to create more productivity. Mm. Well, that, that does make sense. Um, and I, I like the parallel you drew to the price chart being kind of a depiction of the feminine because feminine energy is like to be creative, you have, also have to be a little bit chaotic, right? And unpredictable. And that's how we, Jordan Peterson talks a lot about this, the difference between explored territory and unexplored territory. There's always naturally kind of a fear about the unexplored territory because we don't know what's out there. So, you know, there contains threats potentially, but it's also where all the novelty lives. So if you're going to create anything new, you have to go courageously into the unexplored territory. And that, I think that's almost like a synonym for the feminine, right? The, the unexplored, the we were the hurricane coming at you yeah. with all our venting. <laughs> so the the parallel that you drew to the price chart is interesting because the price chart is very unpredictable, right? You never know where it's going to go. And the whole business of Wall Street is really mapping those flows of energy in the market. And you're making bets on the future of where it's going to go. But it's that unpredictability that allows Wall Street to earn any anything for itself at all, making those bets on... On the the feminine energy, I guess, which is the productive market economy. Yes, so it's the feminine again feeding into the hierarchical value of mm. money. It's fascinating. So if we say money is energy, energy has an Einsteinian perspective. It has a masculine and feminine perspective. Can we go one level deeper and say what what is energy? Mm. Yes. So. The reason why I brought Einstein into this is because I have this very useless degree of electrical engineering that I never used. <laughs> so I wanted to use it somehow and this came into it. And energy again was, so when I was studying electrical engineering, obviously energy was a topic that was um, discussed a lot. And it's interesting, again, this backstory here, because I studied electrical engineering in Japanese and Japanese is not my first or second language. So I was a very ha- I was having a very hard time understanding all the things that they were saying. But what I did understand is that on the quantum level, 
like we are all energy like mm-hmm. this body your body it, it's not actually physical this mm-hmm. is just a manifestation of the creation the the, the, the energy and if you're touching, like you think you're touching your fingers, but you're not, like at the quantum level, nothing is ever touching anything. Mm. All these electrons and atoms, they have space in between them. So energy, what is energy as, well, is mass times the, <laughs> the speed of light squared. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Einstein said it, that, that's like literally the definition of energy. Um, my hallucination my imagination of energy is just that is that creation is that if you want to believe in god or i don't know whatever it is it's just we're the manifestation of the imagination and that has turned into energy that's why you can literally manifest money into your life Mm. because money is energy just like you so when you're operating at the higher levels of energy when you're operating at higher speed, when you're operating at higher imagination, you bring in more wealth, you bring in more money. We talked about like right now, we're creating this podcast, this YouTube, we're creating energy out of quote unquote nothing, but we are both probably going to make a bunch of money out of it. Why? Because we are operating, we are communicating, right? We're operating at a higher level of hierarchy within the wealth value ladder. We are using our imagination. Like we spent about 30 minutes or so offline bouncing off these ideas. We're using our imagination and then we were communicating it. And that literally is going to turn into money. We just create it. But the, the funny thing about energy is that energy is neither created or destroyed. So we just tapped into the higher levels of energy and that is translating into money. And the faster you put this podcast out, the faster we're going to make money. <laughs> yeah, and to your much earlier point, we're not we're not spending a lot of labor energy, right? We're not doing backbreaking work. We're sitting down and having a conversation, but that actually generates more money than being a construction worker, for instance, something like that. If you are a business owner or manager, you should know these three numbers: thirty-six thousand, twenty-five, and one. 36,000 is the number of businesses that have upgraded to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, which allows you to streamline accounting, financial management, human resources, and more. NetSuite turns 25 years old this year. That's 25 years of helping businesses do more with less, close their books in days rather than weeks, and to drive down cost. And finally, one, because your business is one of a kind. So with NetSuite, you get a customized solution for all your key performance indicators in one efficient system with one source of truth. NetSuite is everything you need all in one place. Right now, you can download NetSuite's popular KPI checklist designed to give you consistently excellent performance absolutely free at netsuite.com slash whatismoney. That's netsuite.com slash whatismoney to get your free KPI checklist. Again, netsuite.com slash what is money. Now I'd like to tell you about our sponsor, iCoin Technology. iCoin has just released a sleek new hardware wallet. Looks like a mini iPhone, a little touch screen and camera on it. Uh, The device has no Wi-Fi, no cellular connection, no GPS. It's a strictly physically cold hardware wallet. Uh, Like I said, it's got a high res three inch touch screen. 
It's got a camera for air gapping the wallet. Uh, it's got optional Bluetooth compatibility. And it's a really a, a brand new UI UX experience for a hardware wallet, making it very accessible, easy to use, not intimidating. And as we always talk about on this show, the only way you can truly own your Bitcoin is by having it in self-custody. So you need a device like iCoin Wallet to truly own your Bitcoin. Go to iCoinTechnology.com today and use promo code Bitcoin23 for 30% off of this new sleek hardware wallet. Um, I like how you keep taking it back to E equals MC squared because that also tells us that mass and energy are interchangeable, right? They're basically the same thing at two different frequencies. And doesn't that mean if everything is made of mass or energy, then everything is ultimately reducible to energy. So energy is like what everything consists of. Um, and in that sense, you might say mass is like frozen energy or low frequency energy, whereas the traditional term energy is reserved for high frequency energy, right? Fire, lightning, things like this. But you also keep going back to the imagination and how we use that in the creative process. So is the imagination what we use to redirect these flows of energy? And that's why it's so important, manifestation, entrepreneurial imagination, et cetera. All right, so let's have the formula here. E equals mc squared, right? And then we have imagination. Maybe Einstein's formula is not complete <laughs> <laughs> because it doesn't include imagination. The speed of which you think, like I could see that, okay, mm -hmm. the speed of which you think you pour into that mass, you pour into the mass, the energy goes higher, right? Because otherwise if, so this literally tells us money has to flow, otherwise it goes bad, right? Money has, just like water, like if water is just in one place, it's going to go bad, just like blood. Mm -hmm has to keep flowing it has to have a speed and the higher the speed the higher the energy and then the imagination part of it where does it come in that's that does imagination have high speed yeah. like i would be very interested like talking to a neuroscientist about this like what is our brain doing when we're imagining like our electrons moving faster or something? Because mm. the imagination could be included in the speed part of Einstein's formula. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, obviously it's a very physics-centric definition of energy. So it would exclude psychological phenomenon like the imagination. But we are also physical right? So maybe we're just interacting with the field, right, of energy and mass around us through the imagination. And that makes sense to me if you consider that there's nothing that humans have created that wasn't first imagined, right? You had to, you had to think it up before you do it. Um, and on, your, on the point of money needing to flow, economists would say, the higher the intensity of free exchange, the more productive we are. So the more trade that's occurring between people, the more stuff we can produce, the more things we can figure out, the more discoveries we make, the form of innovations. And so, yeah, you need that. You need people actively 
trading and moving to create all the stuff, right? That's, again, how you turn imagination into a material manifestation, let's say. It's people doing stuff, trading with each other, working. And communicating mm -hmm. what they're thinking and what are about to do, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I just literally asked Chad GPT, what is energy? And it gave me all of these. Kinetic energy, thermal energy, chemical energy. That's not what I meant, Chad GPT. <laughs> but money is is can be used to obtain any of those forms of energy. Right? Mm -hmm. You can buy thermal energy. You can buy kinetic energy. Oh, yeah. So You can literally buy happiness. If you don't believe me, the only reason why my husband and I... Oh, I, did I finish that story? My husband and I literally renewed our wow, vows last week in Hawaii. Oh, congratulations. Um, yeah, and it's because we both... I, I first went into the education and learned all about this. And he then kind of got into it. And uh, we've never had a better relationship, like literally in just a year, learning about all of these things. And um, the reason why we were able to do that was because I had the money to go mm. and pay a bunch of coaches <laughs> about relationship and feminine energy and masculine energy. So yes. Money definitely does buy happiness. <laughs> I'm reminded there's a the, old, the comedian Daniel Tosh who said that for people that think that money can't buy happiness, he said, yes, it can, because money can buy you a jet ski. And have you ever seen a sad person on a jet ski? <laughs> that was pretty funny. Um, okay, so going a little bit deeper on the imagination then. So money has this imaginary component because we're all agreeing to it, right? It's a social consensus. An imaginary future value. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and this is also back to your stack of value or your hierarchy, value hierarchy, I guess, that the most successful entrepreneurs actually don't work the hardest, right? They create something that serves people and then they benefit from that thing and you know, as long as they hold the stock, basically. They, they not only create it, but then they also are able to communicate the value of it. Mm. So I bet there are a bunch of amazing innovations sitting at somebody's garage because they didn't have the means to actually communicate it. So again, so this $100 bill is communicating to us, hey, I'm worth $100, whereas the penny is not communicating it. Right. So the most successful entrepreneurs are also the best marketers and salespeople who put their communication skills with their imagination skills. And that's how we have Steve Jobs. That's how we have Disney, Walt Disney. Yeah, there's, it's a great... Oh, we often say things, like, oh, that's just imaginary. And it almost sounds synonymous with that's not true or that's fake, you know, it's a figment of your imagination. But that's really downplaying the value of the imagination and and imaginal constructions like money, like the calendar. The example I gave earlier is like, well, how do we, not only do we use money to coordinate, but how did we show up for this podcast sometimes? Like, well, we both agree to this imaginary thing called the calendar that it's October 24th and we're going to meet here at a certain time and talk. And, uh, you know, things like human rights, right? This is... It doesn't actually exist. It's, an, it's a thing we imagined into existence. So some of, I guess we do us, do ourselves a disservice saying that 
when we say that something's imaginary as if it's fake or not important or not real, you're really failing to understand how important the imagination is um, and and its many constructions. That is very fascinating because it brings me again back to one of the principles we learned at relationship. You know, sometimes you're having an argument and let's say your wife or girlfriend says, this is what you did. And you're like, no, you're just imagining things. Uh-huh. And then this principle is that, no, that is her reality. Right. That is the side that she chose to focus on. And that is as real as it gets for her. And this is your reality. So one of the things that you can do with the relationship is understanding that your reality may not be somebody else's reality, which comes back to what you just said, is that imagination is that real, as real as it gets. Like we're literally just creating our lives based on our reality. And the way you make that relationship work is understanding that your reality is different than the other person. Mm-hmm. And then seeing it, seeing the thing from that person's reality without taking things personally. Yeah, that's a great, it's, um, it's the old saying that there's three sides to every story, his side, her side, and the truth. Um, and the truth doesn't matter in the relationship. It doesn't matter. It yeah. literally doesn't matter. So once, like we literally fix our relationship, once we realize the truth doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't. That's so, wow. That's a hard, that's a bitter pill to swallow, actually. But you, even if. But the same goes with money. It doesn't matter if Apple stock really as valuable as we think it is. The reality is people are betting on (laughs) more and more and more people are focusing on the reality that it is. And that just gives it that much more value. Yeah. So the, the, we're each constructing our own reality individually, right? Our own, which our perceptions, our biases, all of these things, right? We have a very narrow lens on what's actually real. Oftentimes they don't align, right? Hence the arguments between men and women all over the world all the time. Men and men, women and women, everyone. We all have disagreements. But we need tools to reconcile those realities. And that's what you just said about the Apple stock, right? Well, what is the price? And what do they say on Wall Street? Price is truth, right? So there is this uh, reality in between all of our individual realities that we have to map and and accord ourselves with otherwise we get um well if you're not accorded with reality then bad things are probably going to happen right if you if you don't understand that being outside when it's freezing cold will hurt you or kill you if you don't protect yourself then you're going to make a bad decision so the the pricing thing is a big deal like in economies i think it's prices that sort that out right a lot of people with a lot of different opinions but we're sorting it out in the market and the price tells us what is quote unquote true. What are, what are people thinking? Yeah. That's what the price does. The yeah. price is a reflection of the collective market psychology. Yes. Market imagination. Market thinking. That's a fascinating It's reflecting that. Mm. I want to ask you about how money relates to freedom. Mm-hmm. And as you, you said offline, freedom 
tends to be more of a masculine quality or something that masculine energy aims at freedom, responsibility, et cetera. Um, what, what is the relationship between money and freedom in your opinion? Money is freedom. So that's, it's interesting because if you ask me, I want to be free too. I want to be free to do all the things. But my understanding again, is that for men, like freedom is the ultimate goal. And my understanding, again, as I'm digging deeper into that, is that my true essence feminine, maybe love and connection is the ultimate goal. Okay, and now we've just talked about how money is both feminine and and masculine. And the more... And the reason why I want to have more money is because I want to have more freedom. Mm-hmm. But freedom to what? Right? Mm-hmm. Freedom just to do whatever the heck you want. Mm-hmm. So that's interesting because I was listening to Jocko, the author of um, Extreme Ownership. And I initially, I, I never read his book. I was like, oh, it's all about war. I hate war. And it's interesting because my husband actually works in defense. He literally designed, used to design like F whatever things that drop bombs on people. And I hated it. Mm. So, but I had an opportunity to listen to Jocko. Um, who was a Navy SEAL. And he was saying that freedom is actually discipline. Mm. You think freedom is about doing whatever the heck you want, but you get to freedom by having discipline of having those habits do the things over and over again to get to that freedom. Mm-hmm. So that's the definition from Jocko for freedom. And the money is freedom. But the money also needs then discipline. Yes, of course. Mm-hmm. And that's why we have the Investiva Diamond mm. that I was talking about before. So I've created this five-step diamond when, I, when it comes to investing. So Investiva, we invest. And I created this like 12 years ago. I didn't know anything about these things. I didn't know about feminine energy, masculine energy. And it's interesting that I came, with that, came up with it. And now more of it is being revealed to me. Like literally when we we're talking offline, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is literally a perfect... Um, combination between masculine and feminine energy because before I analyze a stock in order to achieve my goal of freedom, right? The first step that I take is called capital analysis. And capital analysis is everything to do with my personal finances, where I stand financially, where's my cash flow, a lot of logic, Mm. a lot of calculations, and that's masculine. Then the second step I take is fundamental analysis. Fundamental analysis is actually digging deep into the asset that I want to invest in, whether it's stocks, whether it's cryptocurrency, whether it's forex currencies, whether it's private equity or real estate. I want to see what that is about. And I was having a hard time understanding is that masculine feminine. So I'm going to be looking at the team. So when I do fundamental analysis, I'm not looking at the earnings report. That's like lagging. I always look at what that company, what is it producing? What is the value that is producing? bringing to the marketplace. I typically tend to invest in um, category kings. It's an entrepreneurship term that I actually apply to my stock investing. Uh, If you want to invest in something that has hot, like longer term value, then you might want to invest in category kings. What are category kings? The the companies whose brand name pop into your name when we say the name of the category. Like if I say search engine, Google, Google, category king. If I say social media, 
Instagram, TikTok? I'm not sure anymore. I know. Right now we're having that debate, right? So that's very, that's fascinating, like how category kings change. And so that is my fundamental analysis. And I'm wondering if that is masculine or feminine. Category king, that's masculine. King. King is literally the, so that, that might be the masculine side. And then the third step is sentimental analysis. That is when I go dive into the psychology. That is when I look at the communications. That is when I look, okay, these people are bullish. These people are bearish. What are the people saying? And typically I go against the market sentiment. Because <laughs> yeah, I, I know right. this. Oh, yeah. Mm. So, and then, so it's, it's, it's beautiful because we're looking at the patterns. We're looking at the market psychology. And then the, then the fourth step is technical analysis, also chart art. So now that I looked at what people were saying, that was market sentiment, now I'm going to look at the chart and I'm going to look at the price in motion and look at the flows, look at the patterns. And typically these patterns repeat themselves in every stock, every asset, every crypto, every currency versus the other currency had their own unique patterns. So then I'm going to analyze that. So that I think technical analysis may be, I labeled it before as feminine, but it probably is kind of logic again married to to art mm. so finding that the patterns a lot of people have their own unique opinion on it because some people say oh no this pattern is going like this is going like this is the key psychological or or not so that probably again is a marriage between feminine and masculine and then at the end of it or at the beginning of it so this this brings the whole five steps back you can first start with the intentional which is the goal again the masculine so capital analysis where you are right now Intention is where you want to go, masculine. And then you end it with intuition, intuitional. So that is more feminine. Okay, what is my gut saying? After doing all of these things, and I have some questions that I ask myself, kind of extract the feelings I have hmm. about this asset. And I'm going to actually tell you these two questions that I asked, and maybe we can discuss it. Maybe you can you can see why I ask these questions, why they why they work. How does it relate to the meaning of money? The two questions that I ask before I place an order is this: number one, if I buy this asset right now at this price, and its price drops by fifty percent tomorrow, how would I feel? And I come with explore that. You're probably gonna feel pretty shitty about it when they are right. <laughs> And then the second question is, if I don't buy this right now and it price goes up by 50%, how would I feel? Hmm. Again, probably pretty shitty and that I missed out. And then I measure which one is going to make me feel shittier. Hmm. <laughs> and then I act upon that based on the answer. And everybody is different. That's why personal finance is personal. That's so cool. Uh, I, what was just coming up for me there is... We talk a lot about Bitcoin on the show. We have a lot of Bitcoiners on. And the strange thing about Bitcoiners, they have a very deep conviction in the asset. And it's maybe could be summed up as humans can't stop printing money. So in a world where everybody wants to print money and now with crypto can print money, the money that nobody can print wins. And that's what Bitcoin is, right? Like this fixed supply asset. And I was thinking about that as you're saying your questions. I'm like, as a Bitcoiner, if the price goes down, Bitcoiners get excited. I'm buying. Buy I'm more. buying. Yeah. <laughs> and if the price goes up, 
if you're really, I would say this for the, the true diehard Bitcoiners, they don't really care that much, actually. Because it's just like, yeah, that's, it's doing what it's supposed to do. Like, that's why I have such deep conviction in the asset. So using that framework, um, I think psychologically it makes Bitcoin like a very important asset to hold. And that you're not so worried about the price drops, you're actually excited by the price drops and then the price going up as you're just like, yeah, that's what it's supposed to do. <laughs> so, so that's the fundamental analysis part of it. Mm-hmm. And this answer exactly to your point differs if you've found enough evidence that this asset is going to have value long term mm-hmm. and if you're in it for the long term. And I feel like Bitcoin, it is interesting that it is fixed supply, right? And I, I, I own a lot of Bitcoin. Um, and fixed is is not creative. It just suddenly occurred to me that Bitcoin might be actually very masculine. I never knew. <laughs> I never thought about this. Um, but the collective conviction that it has value is feminine. So again, it has both. The other thing it has that might be feminine, Bitcoin's a strange animal, like money itself. Fixed supply, masculine, right? Unchangeable, like unwavering, you know, whatever. These are like more masculine qualities. But it's also open source software. Mm, It it brings all the communication together. It connects people. It's peer-to-peer. Yeah, exactly. It's a pure communication network. Like the, an incorruptible communication network, and so it has this interesting balance between masculine and feminine principles. Boom! That's why I'm gonna buy more Bitcoin. After <laughs> <laughs> all this is the definition of masculine and feminine coming together. <laughs> hope, hope I'm not overreaching with that, but yeah, that's how I all right. think. Hashtag not financial advice. <laughs> <laughs> that's how I would look at it. Um, One of my highest health priorities is keeping my brain in top shape. To take care of my brain power, I do many things such as striving to read, write, exercise, and meditate daily. One of the latest tools in my brain power toolkit is MindLab Pro. MindLab Pro is a nootropic supplement that is scientifically proven to enhance your brain power. When I take MindLab Pro, my mind feels like it has a better grip on the world, my thinking is more lucid, and the articulation of my speech is much more clear. MindLab Pro has been tested in rigorous, double-blind, placebo-controlled human trials and has been proven to enhance brain power for users in every age group. MindLab Pro is an advanced formulation of 11 nootropic ingredients and is backed by research from 1,473 human trials conducted over a period of 32 years. So if you're looking to start enhancing your brain power, MindLab Pro is an excellent solution. Go to mindlabpro.com slash breedlove to start enhancing your brain power today. Again, that's mindlabpro.com slash breedlove. Now I'd like to tell you about our sponsor, CrowdHealth. CrowdHealth is a Bitcoin-enabled alternative to legacy health insurance. Now let's face it, legacy health insurance is an absolute scam. Nobody can explain this better than the legendary comedian Chris Rock insurance you got to have some insurance you got to there's an insurance they shouldn't even call it insurance they should just call it in case shit and i give a company some money in case shit happens now if shit don't happen shouldn't i get my money back (laughs) 
So with CrowdHealth, instead of just paying premiums that you'll never see again, you can hold part of this pool of savings in dollars and in Bitcoin through CrowdHealth. And when you have a health event, you can draw against this pool of communal savings. So go to joincrowdhealth.com slash breedlove to learn more or sign up. Now I'd like to tell you about our sponsor, Wasabi Wallet. With Wasabi Wallet, you can receive, send, and store Bitcoin privately. In Wasabi Wallet, your transaction history and wallet balance are completely hidden. Wasabi Wallet is easy to use. All of its privacy features are built in by default, and it works with any amount of Bitcoin. Wasabi users can make CoinJoin transactions together with BTC Pay server users or Trezor Suite users. For BTC Pay server users, they can make payments directly inside of a CoinJoin. And for Trezor Suite users, you can make CoinJoins directly on a hardware wallet. These features result in the fee savings and security improvements for both sets of users. So go to wasabiwallet.io today to download the state-of-the-art Bitcoin privacy wallet. And I want to just go back to the topic of freedom a little bit because freedom's a strange one, right? Like you said, Jocko's defined freedom as self-discipline, right? Well, okay, that's a little confusing because what is self-discipline? If freedom traditionally considers like doing whatever I want, but self-discipline is like, you're do you want to do it, but you're like giving up things you want for things you want more, right? Like mm-hmm. I don't want to get up at six AM and go to the gym and eat right, but I more want or desire being in shape, or feeling good, or whatever your health goals might be. So you start making these trades with yourself, right? Like what do I want today versus what I want a year from now, five years from now, whatever the thing is. And so there's this giving up of what you want to attain freedom rather than freedom being do whatever I want. It becomes more like a submission to the truth, right? Like the truth is if I get up early and eat right, then I'll have this thing I want in the future. But to get there, you have to give up things you want. So freedom's a strange one to me that even when you say that freedom is submission to truth, it's like freedom is submission. Like that's a weird, that's strange. Freedom would be the opposite of submission. But if you're submitting to the truth or whatever actually works, then that actually affords you more freedom, right? By giving you the thing you ultimately want rather than the thing you want right now. And that I was also like, we do this with little things. Like we all in the US, we drive on the right hand side of the road. Well, if we let everyone just drive on whichever side they want, then that wouldn't that would collapse everyone's freedom. We couldn't get anywhere, right? There'd be traffic traffic jams and car wrecks all the time. But by like submitting to the truth that if we all drive on the right-hand side of the road, then we can flow more easily, right? Traffic can flow more easily. Uh maybe getting married is an example of this, right? You give up right? Your all your options dating you know, you give up a lot of things to your spouse, right? You give them time, energy, et cetera. So you're sort of narrowing your freedom in that traditional sense, but you're widening your freedom in that, well, you can have a family and you can have kids and you can learn more about yourself, more love, all these things. So, um, yeah, I find it that my own personal journey with freedom has been like that. It's like, I thought it was being able to do whatever I want, whenever I want. But now today it's more like I'm going to try and submit myself to the truth of whatever it is I'm trying to do. 
And that seems to be much more useful in creating long-term uh, high value freedom. But isn't truth imaginary again, like your freedom is imagined by you. I can't define your version of freedom. You can't yeah. define my version of freedom. This is where, I mean, words, words, right? Words, they're so limited in a way, but there's some truths that I think are beyond interpretation, right? And this might be the masculine in me coming out, but two plus two equals four, right? You can argue with that and say, well, no, it's not real math. It's a power game, whatever. But when you really get to the nuts and bolts of mathematics, pretty hard to argue with two plus two equals four. Um, there's other things like we talk about a lot on this show that uh, this is an economic axiom actually that theft reduces productivity. So mm -hmm. if someone, every unit of time someone spends stealing from someone else, that's time that's not being committed to producing something. So when one person steals from another, you're actually decreasing aggregate productivity. There's a lot of other economic axioms that, that fall under that. So there's, I think there are a few things that are just absolutely true. But we, again, we need to reconcile ourselves to those truths. We need to realize that we each have this own, our own independently generated reality. And like you said, we sort that out in the market, right? That's, that's collective psychology sorting itself out via the price. And maybe that's why price is called truth on Wall Street, because it's an approximation of what everyone's doing or thinking. Everyone's thinking. Yeah. Fascinating. Um, okay, we've just got a little bit of time left. You said finance is feminine is something you trademarked. What and is... I'm realizing that finance is also feminine. <laughs> <laughs> it's a little bit of both, right? Because I was yeah. conceiving of finance as... These activities we do to connect our imaginations with the material world, right? As we've been describing, the entrepreneur has to have the vision, the idea, but then that idea has to be connected to capital to make it real, to make it happen. So how do you, I guess, how do you approach finance given all of the topics we've touched on today? Like how, how is it you view finance um, and its importance in the world? So it's interesting because I've always viewed finance as freedom, freedom to do whatever you want, freedom to live your life. I think freedom to me, again, my definition of freedom is to live my life to its fullest potential. Hmm. And the reason why I even thought about bringing the femininity to finance was because it was so masculine and a lot of women were just intimidated up getting into it, whereas it's actually like a lot of it is very feminine. And we have a lot of successors, like all the awards that you see behind me. These are all of my students, all of my our members who, you know, are women and then they just got in and they apply all of these things. And um, so my view of finance is that it needs to be accessible to everybody. Women need to be a lot more involved. Um, and so for example, I manage our portfolios for our, for our family. I mean, when then my husband, he sometimes gives me some really good tips because he's also an aerospace engineer and he knows tech a lot and he does a lot of the fundamental analysis and brings up, brings it to me. And then I look at the patterns of the market psychology and together we get right. We, you know, our portfolio has been growing like crazy. Um, but my goal with Investiva has been to 
you know, especially specifically moms, like I want more moms to be um, in control. Mm. <laughs> Again, so it's interesting because control is a masculine tendency, but um, it's something that women, it's getting better, but they were intimidated to get into. But my goal with that is because I feel like a woman who is more financially literate and understand where the money is and is more involved, then she's going to have offsprings and being a little role model for their children, they can create this generation, generational wealth. Mm. So basically my goal is to bring money into the hands of families and that, so that they're more aware, like this whole toxic toxic toxicity. 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 Yes. <laughs> English very, is my second language. Sorry. Very Third. popular Third. word in Bitcoin, by the way. We're yes. called toxic <laughs> <it>? often, yes. <laughs> <laughs> but the, the connotation, that connotation to money has been very harmful for a lot of people are like, oh, I don't want money. I'm not doing this for the money. It's like money is just energy. Hmm. You know? And you're doing yourself and your children, the offsprings, your family to surface if you're not really uh digging into what is money so i'm very appreciative of your youtube channel like talking about this taboo topic like when i was growing up money was a taboo topic we didn't talk about it if i asked my mom for a pocket money like allowance just like what you're thinking about money you should just do the thing without having like mm -hmm. it was just or, or even like being an engineer, like at my school, that was in Japan. So I was born and raised in Iran. It's like very, it's very universal, this taboo image of money. In Iran, it was the same. So growing up, we had at school this essay topic that everybody had to write, I think at fourth grade, which one is more important, wealth or science? Huh. And literally, if you, if you responded wealth, you would be the bad person as if they're like not connected. So we had to write an essay. If you're the good student, you would choose science as your answer. And then you would write a whole essay as to why science is more important than wealth. The point of science. <laughs> That's the mentality I came up with, I grew up with. And then in Japan, I was at university, I was at university and my professors, like I, I was starting to become very interested in money. And I was talking about to, to my professor and he really wanted me to do my research on radar systems. And he's like, don't think about the money. Just think about the, the. and that's the disconnection happened. And I was like, okay, I'm going to wall street, <laughs> um, <laughs> but they're all connected. So it is very valuable what you're doing, what we're doing and how people are waking up to the fact that money is is important money is energy it increases your productivity it increases the 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 fulfillment of your life and it can give more if you have a lot of it yeah yeah that's a man i can't believe those are the essay choices because <laughs> isn't the point of science so that we can get a better grip on reality how it works so that we can create higher standards of living right all the tools and technologies and all these things we use so the i would argue i think that the end of science is to create more wealth actually 
Yes. Now we know that money is energy. That's when I made this connection with energy, money is energy, and then energy is the science. Yes, right. <laughs> it's mass times speed of square. So that's when I kind of connected the the two. It was like one of the hugest discoveries in my life. Like I look at me, I'm this scientist, money scientist, <laughs> money scientist. Very cool. Well, this has been a wide ranging and fascinating discussion. Thank you for doing this. Uh, Kiana, where can people find you on the internet? Um, oh my gosh, there are thousands of my impersonators out there. Mm. So please, when you are looking for me, um, make sure they're not impersonators. So at Instagram, I'm at investdiva, investdiva, no dots, no hyperphones. I have, I don't have any private accounts. I don't have anything. It's just at investdiva. I'm there. YouTube again. It's for slash investiva and TikTok. I'm at Kiana Danielle. Again, the best place is just going to the source, investiva.com. <laughs> and then looking at all of my social media, we have classes. All my books are there. And uh, if we can help you get to the next level, I'll be happy to serve. Wonderful. Thank you so much. We'll link to all that in the show notes. And thank you again for doing this. Thank you for having me on.